you for choosing iChurch Sermon Podcast. We invite you to get ready, get ready, get ready for what God has to say to you today. We've been speaking, and this series has been too long for me to recap. It's amazing. It's been an eight-week series. Right now, we're on the seventh week, but you guys need to go to iChurchOK.com and listen to these messages. But on the last two weeks, we've been speaking about an encounter with God. Say with me, encounter. Last two weeks, uh, last Sunday and the Sunday before, is about how after Moses had seen the glory of God, he had this encounter with God and what happens after the encounter. The first week, we revealed how the, uh, when God encounters, you go through the three R's. Do this with me. The three R's. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? Some of you weren't able to do it. That's what my wife does. My wife, Hannah, she can't do that. So I'd say, babe. She goes like, <laughs> She can't do it. Anyways, the three R's. Well, first R is reveal how God's encounter comes to revelation, then comes reaction, and then comes response. And the first section of the response is you saying, here I am, and you be willing to just, to, to just be there for whatever God needs. And then the second one, which, which was last week, is saying, send me. Not only you say, here I am, but then you say, send me. I have a mission on my mind. I know what you want me to do. And you go and you tackle it. So you activate the warrior inside of you, and you make war against Satan. Come on, man. That's a dense race. We make war against Satan. We go out there and we reflect Jesus. And today, today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kind of give you a, a, a sub-sermon about this series, okay? A sub-sermon about this too. And to explain it to you in an easy way, at least I want you to roll the video. This explains the whole today's sermon. Have you ever felt like that ever before? That is today's sermon completely. I'm going to explain you later. But today, what I want you to understand is that when you make war, say make war. When you make war and you're getting ready to fight Satan, you're getting ready to save people, you need to understand that you will encounter frustration. Say with me very loud, frustration. You will encounter frustration. Frustration is inevitable. I found an analogy that God gave me, and it's that preaching the gospel is like trying to save a bleeding bad pit bull. Preaching the gospel is like you trying to save a bleeding, hurt, aggressive, bad pit bull. You need to understand that as soon as you get your hands in there, he's going to try to bite you. He needs you, and without you, he's going to die. Without, if you don't go and you do your thing, he's going to die. But every time that you try to save him, every time that you try to help him, he's going to bite you. And that is frustrating. That is frustrating. That every time you stick your hands in it to try to save, it tries to bite you. That is frustrating because frustration is inevitable whenever you make war against Satan. So let's go straight to the Bible. I want to break you down something about the disciples. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 and 16. You guys can see it on the screen. It says, when they came to the crowd, to the what? Come on, church. You got to be with me. If not, this is going to be super boring. When they came to the Thank you. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt, knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. 
I brought him to the disciples. I brought my kid that's jumping in the fire and is jumping in the water and is suffering, but they could not heal him. The two things that I want you to understand about this is that, number one, the kid was suffering. And we're living in a world out there that is suffering and is going through pain. And number two, that the disciples tried to heal him. The disciples tried to cast out the demon, but they could not heal him. The disciples were trying to achieve. The disciples were attempting to achieve. And I want you to get something very, very clear. The mother of all frustration is achievement. Understand this. The mother of all frustration is achievement. Without achievement, giving, uh, without achievement, there would be no frustration. Frustration does not exist unless achievements exist. Achievement gave birth to frustration. And it's very important for you to understand this. It's very, very important for you to understand it. Because whenever you're frustrated in your life, it's because somewhere, somehow, there is achievement trying to happen. If you're frustrated in your life, it's because somewhere, somehow, there's achievement trying to occur in your life. Frustration is just like a sign that says, I want it. Say with me, I want it. That's what frustration is, simple. Frustration is a huge sign in your chest, a huge sign in your head, a huge sign in your body that says, I want it. That is what frustration is. You cannot get frustrated in your life if you're not trying to achieve anything. Mm -hmm. You with me? You cannot get frustrated in your life if you're not trying to achieve anything. When frustration disappears completely out of your life, then you should be worried. If you're frustrated right now at something, if you're frustrated right now somewhere in your life, when frustration completely disappears, then you need to get worried. Then things are getting getting bad. Because the reason that you're frustrated is because you're trying to achieve something. When somebody, listen up, wives and husband, when your husband or your wife comes up to you and says, I am frustrated with our, with our marriage, you can read it, either he does not like you, you can read it, either he hates you, or you can read it, either he wants something better. When a student comes up to the teacher and says, I am frustrated with this class, he's not mad at the class, he's frustrated because he's trying to achieve in that class. He's frustrated because he's trying to find something better in that class. So instead of reading it incorrectly, understand that frustration comes from the desire and the attempt of achieving certain things. Man, I'm a frustrated person. I'm a frustrated person. I'm a frustrated person. And I'm looking for people that are frustrated with me. Is anybody here frustrated? Is anybody here frustrated? Look at the person next to you and say, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. Because if you're not frustrating, you're not attempting anything. You're not attempting anything. Now go back to the Bible, Matthew chapter 17, verse 16. It says, I brought him near to your disciples. Now we go back to to, to what we were reading before. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And Jesus turns around and look at the words that comes out of his mouth. You unbelieving and perverse generation. You unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Bring the boy to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy. And he was healed right at that moment. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine for a second right now where every, every single one of us is here? Every single one of us is here sitting in these, in these chairs. And all of a sudden comes a sick mom. All of a sudden comes an atheist. 
All of a sudden comes a person that's thinking about abortion. All of a sudden comes a homosexual. All of a sudden comes a murderer. All of a sudden comes an alcoholic, an addict. And they walk in here, and Jesus is in here. And they come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, I had a problem. I had a need. And I came to your people, and none of your people were able to do nothing. And Jesus turns around in front of us and all of us and says, you unbelieving, stupid, ignorant church, why didn't you go out and do what you were supposed to do? How am I supposed to put up with you when I gave you a great commission, when I gave you a goal, and you're not doing anything about it? And he looks at all those people in need and says, all right, boof, healed, every single one of them healed. How would you feel? How would you feel? Because that's what's happening right now. That's what's happening in our world. That's what's happening in our church. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, here comes a swear to slam us again one more time. No, 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 no. Let me explain it. Let me, uh, let me make something clear. Here comes a swear, the frustrated Christian, because he knows that we could do better. We could do better. And if you're sitting in this chair and you're not a Christian, don't worry, because you keep coming to the church. Because as long as I'm alive, I'm going to rock your world, and I'm going to give you another image of a Christian, with or without anybody. Understand that I church is reshaping what a Christian is, going out there, feeding the hungry, going out there, being with the widow, going out there, and reflecting Jesus, proclaiming the gospel, carrying the cross, walking on water. You stick with I church, and I promise that you're going to know what a real Christian is. You're going to know what a real Christian is. Oh, my gosh, where did I come you're messing me up, I church. I'm telling them that we're on fire. I'm telling them that we're going to change the world. And you're sitting down there with. <laughs> I said that you keep coming to I church and we are going to change the world because we know who we live for. We know who we live for. Is there anybody that knows who they live for in this place? Is there anybody that knows who they live for in this place? We live for Jesus and he will rock your world, restore the broken because that's what he does. That's what he does. Baboom. That's more like it. That's more like it. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. There we go. There we go. But Jesus turns around and says, what's happening? What's happening? Turns back around and heals the people. Goes back around and casts out the demon. This is the part that is funny. This is funny. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private. Right? Because you got to understand, they were just straight up humiliated. They called themselves, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You imagine that? In the name of Jesus, I have the authority to rebuke you, Satan, rebuke you, Satan. And the devil. That's humiliating, dude. Okay. <laughs> to rebuke you. It's a lie. I'm going to rebuke you. <laughs> you imagine that? Rebuke me. I'm going to rebuke you. I'm freaking out, dude. I just got humiliated. So I come to Jesus in private. The Bible says they come to Jesus in private. Jesus. Jesus. I mean, I don't mean to be rude, but two chapters ago in Matthew chapter 9, 22, you said we was gonna we was gonna cast out the demon. You said we had the power to heal the sick. And we looked like idiots. I was so scared, Jesus. I was so scared. He kept saying, maybe I'll kill, maybe I'll kill. And I'm like, no, no, I didn't know what to say. That's what I say, but he said it. So <laughs> imagine this, Jesus, Jesus, what happened? I thought we were, I thought you, why couldn't we drive him out? Didn't you give us the power? Didn't you give us the authority? They're frustrated because they tried to achieve and they could not. And look at what Jesus says. 
He replied, they're like, Jesus, why, why, why couldn't we drive him out? And Jesus replies, because you have so little faith. Because you have so little faith. And this is the part that messed me up, y'all. Listen to it. Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as, small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here, from here to there, and it will move from here to there. Nothing will be impossible. Once again, here's the disciples completely humiliated, being like, dang, so much faith. faith. If we have as much faith as a mustard seed, you're telling me that we don't even got this? You're telling me that we don't even have this? This messed us up. The original Bible, whenever they wrote it, Jesus did not say, you have little faith. Jesus said, you have no faith. Because just a little bit of faith would have done the work. Just a little bit of faith would have done the work. Just a little bit of faith would have saved your marriage in the perfect time. Just a little bit of faith would have saved your grade. Just a little bit of faith would have taken you out of the addiction. The problem is not that you have little faith. The problem is that you have no faith at all. And Jesus is saying, you have no faith. If you would have had a little bit of faith, you would have done it, but you have no faith. In other words, Jesus is telling them, you lack. Say with me, lack. That's such a strong word, right? No, but you got to do it with a k. You lack. You lack. Jesus is saying, you lack, bro. The failure. Hey, hey, listen up. Listen up. Quote me. Quote me, baby. The failure of the disciples was the door Jesus used to teach them exactly what they lacked. The failure of the disciples was exactly the door and the window and the opportunity that Jesus used to tell the disciples what they lacked. To tell the disciples that they lacked faith. Also, what are you saying? Mm, how many times have you failed? How many times have you failed? I don't get it. What does that have to do with anything? How many times have you failed? What failure and frustration do is teach you what's lacking in your life for you to achieve. Your failure and your frustration is not meant to put you down. It's meant to lift you up. But what happens is, is that Satan, oh, dumb Satan, he makes sure that every single one of our definitions, that every single thing that we believe, that every single thing that we understand, he changes and twists his definition. Changes and twists his definition of disappointment. Twists his definition of frustration. Twists the definition of worship. And then you're found confused, not knowing what to do. And what I'm telling you is, that your failure and your frustration is not meant to put you down. It's the window that God is going to use to lift you up. Are you saying God causes me to fail? No, I'm saying that God is so good that he uses your stupid, ignorant fail to lift you up. It's a difference. It's a difference. Make sure it's clear in your life. But we don't understand that. We change the definition and we listen to Satan. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You want to poop? I'm being real with you. Now, you can think I'm a kid's pastor and laugh, or you can understand what's the message behind. You want to poop? You want to poop? You push. You want to poop? You push. What are you saying? You want to be strong? Find out what you lack and go to the gym. You want to read the Bible? You want to be a preacher? Find out what you lack and read the Bible. You want to be a singer? Find out what you lack and go to school. You want to find out what you lack and you work for it. But that's the part nobody wants to do. 
That's the part nobody, everybody wants to succeed. Everybody wants to achieve. But nobody wants to freaking work to attain the exact thing that they like that the failure taught them. If you're not willing to go out there and push for the poop, if you ain't willing to go out there and push for the poop, don't say you want to poop. Shut up. Shut up. But Jesus used your failure to tell you there's a rock right there. Next time, step by step. Next time, jump over it. But you don't want to jump. You want to go through it again and try to surpass it, but you don't want to jump the rock. And you keep moving and you keep failing and you keep getting upset. And here's what happens. Eventually, you keep moving and you keep falling that the devil tells you, why don't you just stay down? And you listen. He changes the definition on you. You stay in the floor. And God is saying, you didn't fall so you could stay on the floor. You fell so next time you could jump. But I don't want to jump, Jesus. Well, you stupid, ignorant, perverse generation. What do you mean you don't want to jump? That's what you got to do. That's what we're supposed to do. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Let me tell you something that probably you've never heard. You want to stop failure in your life? Embrace failure in your life. You want to stop failure in your life? Embrace failure in your life. So you can find what the crap you're lacking and you can work for it. That's why, that's why, that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, that is why for Christ's sake, I will delight in my weakness. Paul was not crazy. Paul understood that the minute he embraces his weakness, is the minute that God will reveal to him, this is what you're lacking. That's the minute that he will be able to work for it. And next time, he's going to be able to rock and boop, and he's going to be able to jump the failure. So Paul is saying, I will delight in my weakness. I will delight in insults. I will delight in hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, when I fail, that's when God comes to my ear and says, next time, jump. And I will look at him and I will say, God, I'll jump. And next time, I won't fail. Come on. Come on. I won't fail. Not next time. Not next time. So here's my conclusion. Roll the video. frustration will be either a powerful source of motivation or it will be a powerful source of complacency. Your frustration will be either a powerful source of motivation or it will be a powerful source of complacency. And God don't like complacency. It's not what he does. He don't settle. He doesn't settle. Second Kings chapter 19 verse 18. God sends a message. God tells this other dude, you go and tell these people this. And look at what he says. It doesn't matter who he said it for. It doesn't matter why he said it. What matters is the fact that he said it word by word, word by word. Quote me on this. Because, 2 Kings chapter 19, 18. Because you have raged against me. 
and your complacency. Your what? Your what? Your complacency has come to my ears. I will put my hook in your nose and I and I and my bite in your mouth and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. Hmm. God doesn't like complacency. You're taking it out of context. I'm not taking nothing out of context. It says, my, your complacency has come into my ears. I will put my hook in your nose and bite in your mouth and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. What does this mean, Josue? That whenever you decide to settle in life, whenever you decide to go for the second option, whenever you decide to just settle because on, on your financial situation, whenever you decide to just settle on divorcing, whenever you decide to just settle on fornicating, whenever you decide to just settle on inheriting drugs, whenever you decide to settle on only preaching once a week, whenever you decide to settle, whenever you decide to, go, to be complacent, whenever you decide to just sit down and be okay and be at peace with what's happening around you, be at peace with the way that your life is turning out, be at peace with the way that your spiritual relationship with God is turning out. God will bring you back the same way you came. And he will tell you, not yet. You're not done. You're not done. I remember whenever we were kids in Puerto Rico, they don't mow the grass like they mow them here. Man, in Puerto Rico, grass is crazy. Like, like ain't no grass. Like, nobody has, like, real grass. Everybody just have woods, and then they just take the lawnmower. It doesn't suck the leaves or nothing. All right, Puerto Ricans, you can tell, tell, tell them that I'm telling the truth. And this is what you do. America. Yeah, you don't even have to push it no more, man. That's a little transmission thing. Puerto Rico. No lie. I'm not telling we're better. I'm saying you're better. We're dumb. Here's what we do. Straight up, dude. Straight up. I promise. I promise. You throw the lawnmower down the hill. You stay on top of the hill and you turn around and then you pull it back. <laughs> you just pull it back. And then you go to the next hill. Boom. You tie a rope if you can. Like, ah, that thing just goes wherever, wherever, whenever. But you have to take the whole hill. Everything's a mountain number three. It's an island. You have to take the whole hill. You have to cut everything. So, what me and my brother would do is that me and my brother. We take the lawnmower, when we cut it, and we would go, and when it was time to go to the hill, we'd be so scared, and we'd just go like, you gotta understand, we're supposed to drop it, we're supposed to, and pull it back, and we'd go there. We'd be finishing like 10 minutes, because other than hill, we just got like this. <laughs> that's it, that's all you got, that's flat, the rest is hills. So, where are you going with this, Osway? Me and Chris would go inside, we'll sit down to watch movies, and when dad, Father would come back, and he would see that we settled for a piece of trash, that we settled for something that was not done correctly. He would go. He would practically put a hook on our nose, <laughs> put his mouth and bite us, and bring us back the same way we came. Put us in front of the task. Say, you do it right. Do it again. If you're going to do something, you do it right. You know why you, when you do something, you do it right? Because it will follow. The reputation will follow you. And you will only, always be known as somebody that does a piece of crap. 
And that's what God doesn't want. God doesn't want people that are following and saying, hey, God did this, but it's a piece of crap. God doesn't want people to go, hey, God said this, but it's worth nothing. God wants people that does things right. God wants people that fight, that do it again and again and again. God is looking for warriors that can go and do the work the way it needs to be done. God is looking for frustrated people to mold along the way we're supposed to mold along as Christians. So here's my ending. Here's my ending. Here's my ending. Here's my ending. That's not my alarm, by the way. That has nothing to do with me. Here's my ending. Mess me up. Come on. Here's my ending. <laughs> Sorry, I said, here's my ending. Beep, 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 beep. I know you failed in the past. I know you have failed in the past. Because I failed in the past too. Every single one of us has failed in the past. And I know that you're frustrated with the way that your life has turned out. I know that you're frustrated with the way that things have turned out. I know you're frustrated with what you see around you. And instead of forgetting that frustration and being complacent to staying on the floor because you've fallen a bunch of times, what I'm here to tell you is remember that frustration. Remember that frustration. Remember that frustration. Remember that frustration. Because that frustration is because you want something. That frustration means that you're trying to achieve. That frustration means that I want it. I want it and I want it bad. And instead of settling, I'm telling you, remember your frustration. Remember your frustration. Don't lose sight of what I want you to do. Don't lose sight of what we want to do. Don't lose sight of that person you're supposed to save. Don't lose sight of that generation you're supposed to reach. Don't lose sight of that wife that you do love and the devil's telling you that you don't love it. Don't lose sight of that kid that doesn't have a mom. Don't lose sight of the person that's in need. Don't lose sight. Remember the frustration you feel inside when you see a kid dying of hunger. Remember the frustration you feel inside when you see multiple people aborting time after time. Remember the frustration that you feel inside whenever you see people lying. Remember the frustration that you feel inside whenever you see people underestimating God's power. Remember the frustration. Remember the frustration. Because the failure of the past is God saying, you need to try it again. But next time you try it, jump. You need to try it again. But next time you try it, jump, and you're gonna be, you're gonna be, you're gonna succeed. Next time you try it, you jump, and you're gonna be successful. Next time you try it, you do it a little bit harder. You do it a little bit deeper. You do it with a little bit more intentionality, with a little bit more of love. But you do it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. What's your message, Josue? My message to you is. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Come on. Church, I understand that most, a lot of you probably didn't like this message. Because you don't like my language, or you don't like the way I move, or you don't like the way I react. And if this is your first time here, I encourage you. If you don't like me, we have a 947 service. That's amazing. You could go there. And if you know Spanish, there's 612 and 1212. You could go there. Or you can keep coming here. Eventually, you'll get to like me. I hope. Right? Dang, nobody does that. <laughs> right? No, no. You never, you never get around him. You never get around him. You'll always hate him. <laughs> I don't know why she's married to him. Dang. Love you.
sabe? You see what I'm saying? Let's go do it again. We have failed. I'm not slamming you, church. I'm telling you, it already happened. I'm not telling you it's going to happen. I'll tell you it did. We have failed. Tons of people can walk through those doors right now. Tons of people fighting battles. Tons of people carrying demons. Tons of people can walk right now and look straight at Jesus and say, they tried and they could not do it. Could you do it? Because if they can't do it and you can't do it, I'm walking away. I'm leaving. I'm gone. But let's not think only about the outside. How about you? You're ready to walk away from marriage? You're ready to, compl- to, to be complacent with your financial situation? It doesn't matter what you failed at. Because what you failed at is not telling you to stay down. What you failed at is telling you to get up. You're so stuck at the behind. And I'm telling you, you were walking and you fell down. And the devil told you, why don't you just stay? And you're about to stay and be complacent and lose everything that ever mattered. If there's something worse than failing, it's never trying. Because that's the biggest failure of them all. You're in the floor and you decided not to get up again. You're in the floor and you decided not to get up again. You're in the floor and you're about to be complacent and go through with the divorce. You're about to be complacent and go through with leaving your kids. You're about to, hey, listen to me. These are not just words. This is the Holy Spirit talking to you through me. So listen, listen. You're about to walk. You're about to stay here and just keep staying in your drug situation, in your addiction situation, in your pornography situation. You're about to stay down because God gave you a word long ago. God gave you a purpose long ago. And in the midst of your purpose, you went and you tried to save the people, but the people bit you. You tried to jump the stick, but you failed and you fell down. And then you're frustrated. And I'm telling you, use that frustration as a source of motivation to get up and recover your wife, to get up and go preach the gospel to get up and go sing and go feed the hungry and go to the widow you get up church let's do it again let's do it again because somebody's waiting for you and me come on let's do it again let's do it again let's do it again and again and again because satan we will not stay down we will not be complacent we will be motivated and hungry and on fire how many of you are on fire How many of you are on fire? Close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes in my head. Close your eyes in my head. So so what's the message? That I will pursue you.